Isn't that weird? Yeah. It um just yeah, it's it's a little weird because I mean for me because I do this so often, I'm used to my voice. Yeah. But um, you're right when you do your voice and you're not used to it. You're like, wait a minute, is that how I sound? Is that how I sound all the time? Right. Yeah. Do I have that big of a twang? Do I do I say uh or uh huh? A lot. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have those things. The um, <clears throat> I that's that's been one of the benefits of me doing a podcast is that I get to go back and listen to them, and I do go back and listen to them, which is I think. Is that weird? No, I don't think that's weird. Because you always hear people like who are actors or actresses. Do you watch your own movies? Yeah, I don't see why you couldn't go back and listen to it. It, it right, it, and I do, but I do it a lot of times, not just to hear what I missed. Because you and I may be having a conversation, and I'm thinking two or three things ahead of time, and I may not fully be grasping what you've got to say. Right. So I go back to find out what I missed. But the other reason is I go back and say, okay, what do I need to work on? It's true. It takes me a couple of minutes to <laughs> grasp everything, too. Like, I have to watch movies a couple of times before I notice everything about it. Well, see, like Napoleon Dynamite. I don't right? think I've ever seen that. <laughs> I asked the other day if you'd ever seen that, because, and, uh, and I don't know. You've never seen Napoleon Dynamite? I don't think so. you got to watch it, like, three times. Really? Yeah, you watch it the first time, you go, what's this movie? Then you watch it the second time, you go, that's pretty funny. Then the third time, you're like, oh, you got to watch this movie. Yeah, I don't think, I think I know who it is, but I've never watched it. Oh, my God, you got to watch this movie. Because <laughs> um, you're about the same age as my son. He may be a little older. He's 20. I should call his mom and ask. The <laughs> <laughs> typical dad. <laughs> I think he's 23. Uh, so, how old are you? 24. 24. So he's 23 or 24. He's born in 96. Oh, he's um, 22. Oh, I should have called his mom. <laughs> yeah, I should have <laughs> called his mom. I think so. My brother was born in 98 and he's 20. Okay. So. Well, my daughter is 27. So she was born in 92. Yeah. You don't know? I don't know. No, you weren't there. Mm-mm. Hey. I wasn't born until 94. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you went there. Uh, <laughs> Sky Step Mayu. Did I pronounce that correctly? No. Okay. Sky Mayu Steppy. Sky Mayu Steppy. Mayu. Mayu Steppy. Yes. You would think of all people I know how to pronounce that last name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Sky Mayu Steppy. It's actually um, really funny. It's a Romanian name. And I spoke at an FDMAS family patient conference a couple of years ago, and there were people from Romania there, and they pronounce it Mew. Mew. Not Mayu. See, and I pronounced, when I did, I pronounced Stepe as Step. What's its uh, etymology or origination? Um, I think Irish. Irish? Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> we're here in Sweetwater, Tennessee. Uh, and I told you when I came in, I hadn't been in this part of Sweetwater. Normally, if I go through Sweetwater, it's a... Uh, 68 or highway 11 i don't go into sweetwater this is such a beautiful neighborhood all these old historic homes it's really cool and at halloween they close off the main streets and it's thousands of people coming through really it's really neat and the big houses on the corner yeah they turn their houses into haunted houses for kids to go through it's really cool are you going to join in on that no 
No, I don't do haunted houses. Why? Um, that's freaky. We're not gonna welcome any of that into my. Oh, into oh my area. so you're like the whole this. In case this is real, I don't want that here. Yep. That's you're you're not am. like, hey, this is fun. Let's enjoy it. You're mm-hmm. like, no. Nope. Do not want that invited into my space. So you're not gonna go to that new haunted house that's opening up in Athens? No, I've heard that place is really haunted. It is actually listed as one of the most haunted houses in the state of Tennessee, if not the. So why would someone want to do that? Because it's listed as one of the most haunted mm-hmm. houses in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> no, thank you. See, and that's a question that someone else brought up to me. So if you're going to dev in the metaphysical, in the spiritual world, right? How would those, if that's real, how would those spirits feel about you bringing something in like that? Are you making fun of them? Are you just antagonizing them? I think it's more of making fun of them. And you're like, I ain't doing it. No. So you wouldn't spend the night because they have a package where you can spend the night. Oh my goodness, no. I won't even honk when I drive by. (laughs) (laughs) You're just not going to... (laughs) No. Do you know the history of that home? No, I don't. Uh, A guy by the name of Andrew uh, Kleeg built it. Andrew Kleeg was a slave owner here in the McMinn County area. And... um, I've not personally laid eyes on this, so I can't tell you that from my personal experience this is true. I personally do know the guy who owned it before these people. And he said down in the basement there were still shackles down in that basement. Uh, Andrew Klee also built a lot of the buildings in Athens. Wow. So he did that. And then upon his death, in his will, he he, uh, freed his slaves, uh, which you can say on one hand, well, that was... Nice of him, but on the other hand, why'd you wait till you died, you jerk? Why yeah, you, you know, if you thought this was important, why didn't you do it beforehand? And where the YMCA is now and the police station, uh, a bunch of the freed slaves gathered and built a community there. They started businesses, they started a newspaper, and that was called Free Hill. Wow, yeah. Matter of fact, if you go up there between the police station and the fire department, you know, this historical markers. Mm-hmm. There's one up there that describes what Free Hill was. Wow, that's really cool. It is, especially when you know you grow up in this area and you don't know that. Yeah. Have no clue. I've heard stories that the walls bleed in that house, though. So. I've not, not heard that, that story. <laughs> I have heard stories. A buddy of mine that I went to high school with, um, him and another friend, him, uh, a friend of his, and two girls broke into it. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, a lot of people broke into it. A lot of graffiti and pentagrams and stuff like that was in there. It was it was a trashed building. But they broke into it, and they decided to go upstairs. So they go upstairs, and they look around, all that stuff. Well, they come down, the girls are gone. They can't find the girls. So they go back out to the car, and the girls are in the car just freaking out, crying. I'm like, what's wrong? Where have you guys been? What do you mean? We went upstairs. We've been gone like 20 minutes. No, you've been gone over an hour. Whoa. Are you rubbing your arms? <laughs> right. Yeah, I got goosebumps with that. That's crazy. It is crazy. So, um, so Sky, you have a uh, foundation, right? Is it a foundation? Is it a nonprofit? I mean, it's a foundation. It was a nonprofit. I dissolved it. Yeah. Um, but it's just a foundation called FD Warriors. FU or FD? FD. FD. <laughs> Fibrous dysplasia. So FD. All right. So let's explain to them what fibrous dysplasia is. Fibrosis plagia is a bone-eating disorder. It 
eats away the healthy bone and replaces it with a fibrous tissue that makes your bones really brittle and fragile so you can break or fracture easily. Like every bone in the body or just... It can be every bone in the body. It can be any bone in the body. I specifically have it in the right side of my face and skull. Wow. So uh, I read a little bit. I think you actually wrote an article in 2018. I wrote a few. I don't... Well, the one I read, I think it was 2018, um, and I should have had the website. But uh, and, but here's the thing. For those of you listening to the podcast, all you got to do is just Google Sky Mayu Steppy, and it's going to be in the title. And she's got a pretty good digital footprint on this stuff. So congratulations to you, you on that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, um, but in the article, you describe growing up as a child not knowing what's going on. Um, yes, that was, is that the one where I was bullied? I don't know if you mentioned that, but go ahead. Um, I have the article that I'm thinking of. It's published on the mighty.com. That's a website for, that is the one. Yes. It's for a website for people with rare diseases, um, anxiety, depression, fibrous dysplasia, mucinolibar syndrome, all kinds of different diseases. Um, I'm a contributor on there, so I can write articles and publish anytime I want to. Yeah. Um, that particular article talks about how being bullied really motivated me to do what I do now and raise awareness for rare diseases. Well, the thing that I got out of that article is the years you spent in silence. <laughs> yeah, I did. Um, I was diagnosed in 2006 seven at 12 years old I think and in the beginning I didn't I didn't wasn't embarrassed about it or anything Mm -hmm. um I had my first facial reconstructive surgery in March 2007 I was supposed to be on homebound for the rest of the school year and went back to school early because I guess I was a social butterfly and really wanted to be around my friends Um, got to school and realized that I didn't really have as many friends as I expected or thought that I did. What was that? What what brought that realization? What happened? People had a lot of negative things to say about me. Oh, okay. They, a lot of people thought that I was faking it. Yeah. Um. You're you're faking getting your face reconstructed. Yes. Okay, because that's... People still actually will think that because if you look at me face to face, you don't really see it unless you know what to look for well and that was my thing when you told me was it last week i think about a week ago you told me and i'm like you don't look like you had your face rebuilt uh but i did read um you described a little bit a little bit about the process they don't just cut right into your cheek Mm -mm. so they shave about an inch of hair from my from ear to ear like a headband uh-huh. and they cut me from ear to ear and pull the face down and then shave back or decompress the fibrous dysplasia and then the first two surgeries they took a piece of rib and reconstructed an eye socket for me and then the third surgery they did cadaver bone oh my god and socket. you're worried about going into a haunted mansion <laughs> you went through that <laughs> yeah <clears throat> Can't can't do haunted mansions. I'd rather just have the surgery. <laughs> Cut a rib no. out, put a cadaver bone <laughs> in me, and I, I'm fine with that. But it wasn't actually until I was pregnant with my last son that I realized how serious the surgery was. To be honest with you, well, your first one was you were 12, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, who take? I mean, you know, you're going into surgery, and all of a sudden you come out, but I don't think you do grasp 
the fullness of what it is. Yeah, I, um, I've had my second one, I think I was, that was 2015, so I was 20, no, 2014, so I was 19, and then 2015, and I was 20, um, and I didn't even grasp it then. It's not something, I guess, you really think about. No. And no, but painful? Recovery? <laughs> yes, extremely painful recovery. That's something that did terrify me going into the second and third surgeries as I remembered what I was going to have to do to recover and that it was not fun. But you still have, I mean, I'm I'm looking at your face, right? And you still have all the facial, um, to me, it looks like you still have all the facial functions. Your, your eyes are blinking, your cheeks are glowing, your, you smile. I mean, so none of that got damaged in the surgery, even though they peeled it. Nope. None of it got damaged. Um, if you, I don't know if you can see it, but I've got a bulge coming out right here. And when it gets really bad, the right eye droops. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually, because it's pushing the my eye down mm-hmm. so that my eyes aren't even. So it's more like. Oh, wow. No, I can't really tell. Um, so good for you, I guess. Well, thank you. Yeah, right. I have a good doctor. <laughs> yeah, you have a good doctor. So you, I think you said you have another one soon? Or um, in, in the future? Yeah, they wanted to do my fourth surgery um, before I got pregnant with my last son, but I did not want to do what I did with my oldest son where I had surgery, baby surgery. Yeah. So um, we had baby, and now eventually in the near-ish future, we'll have the fourth surgery. So in reading your article on themighty.com, and uh, I will put that in the podcast notes so people can find it. Um, it's not over. No, it'll never be over. There's no treatment and no cure. The only option is surgery. So what, what, what causes it? It's a genetic mutation. Okay. Um, it happens while your mother is pregnant with you. Um, I don't know like all the scientific terms. I can give you a link to post that'll have the scientific terms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it happens while the mom is pregnant with you and you can, you actually have it from birth. You're born with it. Um, some children are diagnosed as babies. Mm-hmm. Some, it doesn't hit until they hit puberty because the hormones, um, is what makes the FD. So your hormones trigger this. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how did they discover it? Were you diagnosed as a child? Yeah, I was diagnosed at 12. Um, I, growing up, I'd always had really bad headaches And, um, we didn't really have an answer. So my mom would take me to multiple doctors and Mm -hmm. everyone said different things like wear your, or cut your hair, wear your hair, hair down more, drink more water, cut out sugar, change your diet. Um, and nothing really helped. And it got to the point where in sixth grade I would come straight home from school and go to bed and sleep because that was the only help. Right. I use that word loosely, um, that I could find because pain medicine wasn't helping me. Um, it still doesn't help me. So, and I don't know, maybe looking back, you might be able to self-diagnose any depression associated with that? Not as a child. They did put me on antidepressants when I was first diagnosed. Um, but I didn't suffer from any depression as a child. Okay. Um, it did hit after my second surgery in 2014 
which is when I decided to start raising awareness. Yeah. And how's that helped you? That actually has made the world of a difference. It, um, I don't know the right word to say. It really makes me feel better knowing that I can reach out and I can make a difference so that children who went through what I went through or something similar or something not similar at all don't have to suffer the way that I did and don't have to sit there in silence listening to people talk bad about you because they think you're faking right? and hiding what you're going through. Yeah. And it makes me feel better knowing that I can be that. You can be that one that says, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's okay. I get it. Yeah, I like being able to help people in that way. So, um, I didn't tell you this story. Uh, you and I had talked about doing the podcast because you're interested in starting your own so that you can talk about this and do awareness. And I said, well, let's just do a podcast. You can see what I do. And then, A, this will be out there and, and then you can follow up. Three days later, uh, I'm talking to my mother. And my mother's telling me the story that I have a cousin who, who's got a grandchild in school. And this grandchild has what, uh, when I was a kid, they called it just, yeah, you got rotten skin. And then you just easily scan or you get water blisters and it looks like sores. And this, this child has something very similar with her skin going on. And the school called DHS. And this happened with my brother as well. Back in the 70s, uh, the, the teacher notified my mother, I'm taking him to the doctor. I think he's being abused because he just had these lesions and sores on his skin. And she said, I'm taking him to the doctor. And she named the doctor. And that doctor happened to be my brother's pediatrician. And my mom said, great. Take him to him. Yeah. And he went, and the pediatrician was like, no, this is what's going on with this kid. This is, this is what's going on. Well, fast forward, you know, 40-something years now. I guess it's 40-something. But uh, my, my cousin's grandchild has a similar thing going on. And DHS was called in because they thought they were burning this child with cigarettes. They thought they were abusing this child. Wow. And so her daughter is having to go to her pediatrician and get all this paperwork. And all this proof to go back so she can get DHS off her back. Because they, wow. all they see is this abuse. And of course they're going to think the mom's lying. Right. And I, I was thinking through this and I thought, okay, on one hand, I'm glad uh, DHS is there to do what they do. I'm glad they're there to see this. But on the other hand, I wish that they were more aware that what you see isn't always the reality. Right. And uh, they, this child's been diagnosed. There's a, there's a more uh, scientific name for it, and it's left me right now, but this child's been diagnosed with, with what they call butterfly skin. Wow. And uh, so that's the same thing as you're talking about here. Here this kid's growing up with this stereotype, and this mother's been given this stereotype that they don't deserve. Right. Especially, um, actually, one in ten Americans, one in ten people have a rare disease. So it's a lot more common. Rare diseases are a lot more common than people really realize. There are over 7,000 rare diseases wow. out there. And nobody talks about it. Well, I wouldn't have known about it, right? I wouldn't have known about it. Matter of fact, if, 
if you'd asked me about my brother, I said, yeah, he just, he skinned real easy. I mean, he toughened his height up and he's fine now. Uh, and I don't know if that's still true. I mean, he probably still does get hurt really easy. Um, but now I'm sitting here thinking, wow, I didn't know what my mom had to go through with that. Right. That's really, there's a lot of great websites out there that I could pass along to you. Yeah. That there's toolkits to how to handle your children's school and teachers when your child has a rare disease like that. Well, I'm, I'm going to do two things. One, you have a website, right? I do. All right, so I'm going to put your website. It's probably got all that stuff on there. It does not, but I can I can add it to it. Right. Well, I'll get your website. I'll put that on there. If you have anything else, I'll drop it in the notes. I'd also like to get uh, this mother in contact with you. Okay. I would love that. That'd be awesome. Right, because she's probably sitting here going, I don't know. Other than going to my doctor, I don't know. Um, I told you earlier about that podcast I did with the lady that suffered uh, pregnancy loss. Yes. Well, she has this entire community built. Uh, and there is an entire world out there that helps people going through that. And I had sent her book to a young lady in Washington State who was going through it. And she contacted me. She said, I would not have even known to look for this. Wow. Let alone... She said, I, I just thought I was just going through it. Women go through it, and this is part of it, and you deal with it. But I would have never even dreamed of looking. And that's what I think about with this uh, family member of mine. She wouldn't have even known to go looking for something like what you do. It's because, like I said, people don't talk about it. Something else that she could do, I don't know if she's on social media, mm-hmm. but um, there's a lot of support groups out there for different diseases like that. So she can search for whatever the name is of it, um, support group. I'm an admin of a fibrous dysplasia support group. So, and that has 3,000 members, I think, worldwide. Um, but there are support groups out there for different the diseases like that. And that's something she should really do because then she could connect to moms um, who may be experiencing the same thing and other patients so she can understand what her child is going through. Well, see, I think that's the difference that maybe you have or maybe the advantage that you have that maybe your mother didn't because the internet wasn't. <laughs> That's true. It was it, not there. It was, well, it might have been, but it wasn't that big. Yeah. Right? The social media wasn't there. The groups weren't there. And um, and I'm thinking about this, the mother going through the pregnancy loss. I'm thinking about this family member of mine. Even though it's all there and they're probably active on social media, and they are, they have no idea that they can look for this. There's not... I don't think you really think to look for it. I mean. And why? I mean, I, I get why you looked for it because you experienced it. and um, But why do you think it is that some people just don't even think to look for it? They probably don't realize it's an option or that there is that community out there. Um, because you really don't know that it's out there until you're like, oh, man. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah, and then that's just it. It's like an epiphany. Well, how did you find it? My mom found it for me. Oh, wow. Yeah. um, She actually said it was, I don't know how long it was after the surgery. Um, She was like, we have to fix you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, She was like, when you look at you, all you see is sadness. So she texted me one day and said, I found the support group online and I'm going to add you to it. She didn't really give me the option. <laughs> so that's what really? she did. Yep. And is she, she that type of person? <laughs> she, I think she is with her kids. Okay. So, 
Um, she added me to it, and she said, now I'll leave the group if you want me to, or... Well, that was kind of her. Yeah, she actually, I think she did leave the group eventually. Um, I did not ask her to, but she did leave the group, and now that... Um, well, the reason I say that was kind of her, although as a parent, I would want to be there and facilitate and, and watch my child's healing and growth. On the other side... You have to create space. You do. That has to be, that's something. I don't have any family members in that group anymore. I used to have a lot and I don't have any anymore Um, because the patients do need that safe space. I can understand when the patients are children. Yeah. um, I know that you're not supposed to have a Facebook till you're like 13 or something. Yeah. But (laughs) I know there are a lot of kids who have it before then. Um but I can understand being in there as a parent when your child is actually a child. But as I got older, um, I really wanted that space to be mine. I wanted it to be a safe space where I could go to and vent and say, I'm having a headache and, you know, I'm in a lot of pain right now or I can't see today without my mom going, did you call your doctor? How are you feeling? Did you take medicine? Did you Should call I come doctor? over? <laughs> yes. That's right. exactly what she would do. <laughs> right. Do, do I need to come pick up the boys? Do you need some? Do you need some time? And I'm just like, I just wanted to vent. I needed that safe space. So. Exactly, and uh, I call that. Uh, I don't call it. There's a thing. <laughs> there's a thing I. Uh, I wrote about. I don't think I fully spoke about it. It's called zimzum. It's a Hebrew word, and it's basically that that the divine, in its infinite created this space so that it can create the finite you and I and um, although divine is outside of that space it's still very much there and it's kind of like you as a mother although you're not in there right now with them you're still kind of here yeah right so you've created that space for them to grow and to learn and to mature uh, I described it one time as like teaching a kid to ride a bike and you've not got there yet, but <laughs> you know, when you're teaching a kid to ride a bike. I'm holding on to the back of the seat. I'm holding on to the steering wheel. The kid's like, don't let me go. Don't let me fall. Don't let me fall. But at the same time, I'm trying to let them go. Right. Cause eventually you do have to let them go. You have to let them go and you have to let them fall and you have to let them go through that because you're not always going to be there. And so you have to create that space. And so the fact that your mother, uh, did that is huge. And the fact that you're an advocate for that, Hey, let them have that space. Cause maybe all they just need to do is vent. Mm-hmm. It was really, it was really big of her. And even now she, um, I travel to Washington DC to advocate on Capitol Hill for rare diseases every year. Um, in this past year, actually I think the past two years she came with me. Uh huh. And this past year, I think I told her, I said, you can come, but I really need you to not be there with me because I need to be able to be a leader. And I can't do that if you're there because when you're there, I'm your daughter. Right. I'm not the leader. Right. And so I really needed that separation from her. I needed her to be in the state with me. Right. To <laughs> watch the kids. To watch, yeah, to watch my son. But, and I needed her to be there if I was like, Mom, I'm freaking out. I need help. But at the same time, I needed to be able to step up, and I could not step up when I was also being her daughter. So how did she handle that? She was like, I understand. So, <laughs> okay, so. That, that's what she said. How did she ha- actually handle it? She, um, 
She was absolutely fine with it. She okay. um, stayed at my dad's friend's house with the baby. So um, she gave you that space? She did, yeah. Okay, that's what I was wanting to know. I didn't oh, know she okay. just still tried to interject oh, herself no. in there. She absolutely gave me that space. And if I had asked her to come with me, she would have come with me and just sat there and wouldn't have said anything. But, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So what do you do when you go to D.C.? It is an event um, called Rare Disease Week. It's the last week of February. Sometimes it rolls over into the first couple of days of March. Um, Rare Disease Day is the last day of February. So at the Every Life Foundation and Global Genes, they are nonprofits that organize this entire week for rare disease advocates to come. They give you the tools necessary, and they schedule meetings for you to go talk to Congress members about the needs of rare disease patients and joining the Rare Disease Caucus, which gives rare disease constituents a permanent voice on Capitol Hill. Uh-huh. Um, so that's what we go and do. And <laughs> it's a lot of fun getting to talk to people who don't have your rare disease, but they have a rare disease, and you really get to... I don't know. You, It's just something like it's empowering, being in a room full of people who have a rare disease, who understand exactly what you went through as a kid, who understand your struggle to find a doctor or your struggle to separate from your parents. Yeah. Um, it's an empowering feeling being in a room full of people going through the same thing that you are. Do you find mothers who are going through it? I mean, there are mothers who go. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's rare disease patients. Um, okay. a lot of the patients decided they wanted to be advocates because, when you reach a certain age, you're the only person who can fight for you right. normally. Right. At some point, you got to fight for yourself. You do. Because if you don't, no one else will. Right. So. Um, I tell people that all the time. There, there is no white knight coming. No. You, you got to stand up for yourself at some point. Not that, not that your husband won't be supportive. And not that your mother or your family and friends won't be supportive. Uh that's not what that's saying. What that's saying is at some point you've got to say, okay, I'm, I'm taking on this fight. Yep. Because you have to be, you do, you have to be your own hero. No one else can schedule your doctor's appointments or make those medical decisions for you. Right. It has to be you. So rare disease week is full of really just rare patients. Um, there are parents who come when they're children with their kids who are Oliver's age, who's four. Um, we flew a kite, <laughs> and Oliver did. Oliver and I, I think it's Oliver and I, flew a kite. Um, so, when you find out this community, but to make the step from being in the community and the support groups and having some place to go vent, there's another step you make to being an advocate. Do you just wake up one day and say, I want to be an advocate? Does somebody invite you to speak? Do you? How does that process happen? I think that you really have to wake up one day and decide that that's what you want to do. An advocate is someone who uses their voice to make a change and you have to be able, like you have to want to do that. You can't just, I've been invited to speak and I've gone to speak at different conferences and, but I couldn't have done that if I didn't want to. So the first step really is deciding that that's what you want to do. So you make that decision. What was your first thing to speak out at? I mean, how did you speak out? think that the first thing I talked about was um being bullied okay but like what platform like did you just do this on Facebook 
So you started talking about this on Facebook. I did, yeah. Okay. I created a Facebook page for FD Warriors, um, and I've not really been that active on it recently, um, but I did just have a baby, so... Um, yeah, I just started on Facebook, and then one thing led to another. I emailed a news page in Knoxville, I think, uh-huh. and they wanted to do a story over me, so we went up to Knoxville, and we talked about it on the news, and then I started reaching out to other patients through the support group, and now some of my best friends are people with fibrous dysplasia. One of them lives in Nashville-ish area, and then the other one lives in Chicago area, Um so it just, it all really started through social media. Well, that's so cool because in this day and age in which we live, it is so easy to do that. It is. Because a lot of people sit back and they're like, well, I, I, I want to talk about this, but I don't have a platform. And what you did was you're like, I want to talk about this. I don't have a platform. I'm going to start a platform. Mm-hmm. And nobody's listening until somebody listens. That's right. You just have to stay consistent. You have to be real about it. Um, don't try to sugarcoat how you feel in the beginning. The way that I described the pain was it felt like somebody was hitting me in the face with a brick. Mm. And instead of just sugarcoating it and saying, oh, I'm fine. Right. I was honest. And people will listen to you if you're honest because. Well, they see the, they, they see it. Yeah. They see it. They see the struggle. And especially if I'm just trying to sit back as a parent. And on one hand, you don't want to play into your child's hypochondria, you know. But on the other hand, you don't want to be that parent that missed something huge that's really going on here. Right. And if if I'm listening to you, you, you experience both. Some people thought, hey, as a child, they're just. She's, she's not really in that much pain. Everybody has headaches. Everybody has headaches. And then, but the reality is that, no, you really are. And there really is something going on. This isn't just metaphorically in my head. This is a true thing. I'm going to be honest. I don't know when as a parent you have to say, okay, this is a real problem. Right. I need to get some diagnosis here. I need right. to find something out. I think that my problem as a parent is because I have what I have. Every little thing that my kids go through, I'm like, oh my gosh, this this could be life altering. We yeah. have to take them to the doctor. They have to be seen by the best. That's who I am as a parent. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the term is a helicopter mom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, what about your kids? You said it's genetic. Did any of this pass down? No, it is a genetic mutation, but not hereditary. Not hereditary. Okay. So um, no one in my family has it. Um, I can have as many kids as I want to, and none of them will get it. Although I will in not theory. have anymore. In theory. It's never happened before. Okay. So okay. in theory, yes. But they it's do, never happened. But it's never happened before. Right. And so do your kids have any type of... Um, yes, <laughs> they oh. do have genetic mutations. Um, they were born without skin on the top of their heads. What? Yeah. Um, Oliver's was smaller than the size of a nickel. Okay. Jasper's was probably 75% of like my iPhone. Uh-huh. Big. Um, and I'm still really learning about 
Well, how do well, they, they fix have. that and how did that happen? Well, you just said you're still learning about it, but you probably mm-hmm. know more about it than I do. So it, um, they just scabbed over and Oliver's was so little. They didn't say anything about his Jasper's was big enough and deep enough that they said, this is, this is what he has. Um, Jasper's is called Adam's Oliver syndrome. Adam's Oliver. Mm-hmm. That's funny. That's pretty perfect. Right. right. Um, yeah, his is called Adam's Oliver syndrome. And we had to do an MRI when he was six weeks old mm-hmm. to make sure that he didn't have a stem connecting from the spot on the top of his head to his brain. He does not. Um, and we can't really do anything else to learn more until he's older. So, and that just, you said just scabs over and the skin creates. Um, it's a, yeah, it's just a scar, big scar now. He'll never grow hair there. Um, oh. Yeah. yeah, hair will go around it, but they will never have hair. Uh, what about Oliver? Oliver has the same spot. It doesn't, there's no hair in his spot, but they both have the three calyx. So it kind of, their hair grows into a mohawk and it covers it. Oh. Yeah. So they're fine for now. Right. For now. <laughs> um, there are, I've joined support groups on Facebook for oh, them. Yeah. Um, and there are children who suffer from it who have to get hair. Transplants. Pieces, yes. Hair pieces put in. Um, and I think that that's the most that you can do. That also affects anywhere in the body and it can be your whole body. Um, but that's as much as I know about it now. There's actually not a foundation or anything for Adam's Oliver syndrome yet. Wow. That reminded me of um, something you wrote in the article that I thought it's true, but (laughs) when you finally got your diagnosis, you mentioned people saying, just be thankful you don't have cancer. Mm -hmm. True. I'm thankful I don't have cancer in my head. But. Yeah, but it is still. Feeling that but. Yeah. It is still a bone eating disorder. Yeah. Yeah. It is still something I I have to deal with for the rest of my life. Because conceivably cancer is going to go one of two ways. It's going to go a very bad way. Or it's going to get healed. Yes. Or removed. And yeah, maybe I might go into remission a few years later. This you wake up to. Every every day. day. Do you have pain every day? For the most part, yes. Wow. Um, before I had kids, I could take a nap and I would wake up without a headache. Um, now, obviously, napping is not an option, so I just sort of work through it. And you can ask my family. I'm really, really, really mean and grouchy when my head hurts really bad. Yeah. But when I don't have a headache, I am a lot of fun. <laughs> a lot of fun. So... Um, this is a huge, um, requires a lot from your family, especially, uh, your husband. It does. Yeah. How's that, how's that dynamic work out? Um, I, I, think I don't want to get into marriage counseling, but <laughs> I, I would assume he's been supportive. I mean, you guys yes. have been together six years. He understands. And I would assume that, okay, this is what's going on. Let's. He is extremely supportive. Um, annoyingly persistent like my mom is about calling my doctor. Right. Um, but he's extremely supportive. He's held my hand through two of the surgeries. Um, yeah, he's c- like, Oh, you want to go to DC? You want to travel and 
speak to people. Sure, I'll make this happen. Let's make that happen. Yeah, let's go for it. He's actually, I'm wearing my I Fight Like a Warrior t-shirt. Yeah. Was not wearing this before I left. <laughs> he was like, you're not wearing enough t-shirt. So <laughs> he is extremely supportive. He's come and... Watched. Yeah, we'll get a picture too. Yeah. So that's actually what he said. Yeah. He's like, I'm sure he's going to take a picture. Want to take a picture? So. Well, in theory, in the best case scenario, if this podcast ever does what I want it to do, this will be like a YouTube video as well. Oh, cool! Wouldn't it be? Yeah, that <laughs> would be. Maybe we'll bring you back if I get to like rock star mm-hmm. status with a studio or something. We'll do a YouTube video and sit down again because I am certain that a lot of people's got questions because. Uh, my my question about your husband wasn't so much to delve into your marriage, was to delve into if you could speak to a couple going through this, uh, you know, and speak into them advice or at least, hey, these are some things you need to consider as far as support, as far as helping each other through this. And that was more my question there is what I was trying to get to. What, what would you say maybe to that mother whose husband was going through it or or vice versa? I would say... These are deep questions. These are deep questions that I don't know I have the answers to. <laughs> um, we just speak from our experience. That's all we do. I mean, just talk about what's worked for you. I would say to stay patient. Mm. Um, because there are days where I would like to rip my husband's head off because he's asking me if I've called the doctor and Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to have the four surgery yet. Um, Mm. but then there are days where I understand that I need to. Right. (laughs) So it's a little less. You need that dynamic. I do. I need him. I need him to say it's reached the point where you cannot wait any longer. Yeah. I know this is annoying, honey. Yeah. (laughs) So that would really be the biggest advice is stay patient. I had a, uh, issue a few weeks ago um my dad had his first major heart attack when he was my age right so i'm right i'm right there at that same age when my dad had his first major heart attack my brother had one like at 29 wow so like i'm i'm now i'm at that age where my dad is and i'm just like so every time i get like something bothering me in my chest right (laughs) i'm like wow is this it is this the big one? Right. And and I fight that urge to be a hypochondriac or I fight that urge that eh, this ain't it. This ain't it, you know. But then the the logical side of me, future Scott, is going, Hey, I wanna go get that checked out because I want I wanna be here. I like where I'm at in the future and if you mess this up now Yeah. <laughs> so I'm at work the other day and I started having this this feeling in my chest and in my arm. And it was in the back of my chest, too. It was in my back. And I'm just like, I think I got a spot in my back. And maybe it's just like a pinched nerve or something. Ah, that's that's what it is. No big deal. So I just keep. And it's not going away. You know, I'm stretching. I'm trying to pull this thing out. And it's not going away. And so, I, you know, what's the first thing you do when you got medical issues going on? You you go to Dr. Google. <laughs> And it tells you you've got cancer. Yeah, you're gonna die, mm-hmm. or uh, or you're hypochondriac, right? That's <laughs> one of the two. So I'm going through the symptoms of a heart attack. I have none of those symptoms besides this pain in my chest and my left arm. But you really only need one symptom, don't you? You well, you don't even need that. My dad didn't have any of that. Wow. He didn't have any of those symptoms when he uh, had his. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what? If 
if this was one of the men at work and they were telling me what I'm experiencing right now, I would say go get checked out. Yeah. Don't quit being a tough guy. Go get it checked out. So against my now Scott logic, I'm like, okay, let's just go get it checked out. And so I go to, we have a clinic on site and I go in there and I told the paramedic, this is what's going on. He's like, okay, sit down, check my blood pressure. Next thing I know, I got a 12 point lead EKG on me. You know, it's on my, it's on my ankles. It's on my chest. It's, (laughs) it's all over me. And he runs it and he says, look, you have no cardiac problem whatsoever. Oh, that's a relief. It was a relief, but it was a relief. And Come to find out, I think it is the back thing. The, oh, okay. That, um, but that was off my head because the more I thought about it, the more I manifested these symptoms. Yes. Right. So, to your point, I get it when you're saying, "No, I haven't called the doctor yet. <laughs> I'm not there." Yeah. To his point, his being your husband, I get it. Yeah, quit being tough, girl. <laughs> Quit being a warrior, quit being a little warrior <laughs> and go get checked out. So I get that push-pull, that yin-yang. I think emotionally you have to be, in your case, you have to be emotionally ready to be like, okay, this is it. Right. This is like emotionally there to say, all right, I understand where I'm at. I'll go to the doctor. But so. you also have to be wise enough to say, Maybe I need to listen to the people around <laughs> me because they're not doing it to. I understand that. Yeah. But this is where <laughs> this is the conversation we have pretty often. I'm just not there. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's okay. That's okay. But that's why you have that ongoing conversation. You have the ongoing conversation. So you began talking on Facebook. Uh, you you reached out to the news station. Mm-hmm. Seeing a lot of people don't do that. Um, I think it gets in a lot of people's heads is that no one cares. I think that that I think. Or that's why would what they listen to me? Yes, that that too. Why would they listen to me? There's a hundred other things going on right now. Why would they listen to my story? Um. And I guess some people would be like that, but for the most, most part... Most people are like that. Really? Yeah. Most people are like that. Um, so I, in one of my other worlds, I deal with uh, this music program that's going on in Athens, Sounds of Summer. Shout out to Sounds of Summer. <laughs> um, and uh, one of the musicians that's involved there, I'm driving to work one day, right? And I'm listening to a radio station out of Chattanooga. And this guy interviews musicians. I, I just like listening to that singer-songwriter process and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, man, I know that voice. And he mentions the guy's name, and it's my buddy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's my buddy. He's being interviewed on the radio, and I'm just listening to him. I'm like, this is so cool. So I reached out to him and said, man, how'd you get on there? Because I thought maybe he had done something and they'd, they'd seen him someplace. Hey, come in for this interview. He said, I just called him up and said, hey, can I be on your radio program? That's really all it takes right yeah he said you'd be surprised how many times news stations newspapers radio programs they're looking for content it's easy for them to find the same old same old content it is they're looking for something different and you can raise awareness about things that you never thought possible um and that's like well uh 
a very dear friend of mine mentioned to me one time about the unintended consequences of what I do, like like this podcast. Uh, I do it because I like finding out about mm-hmm. stuff. I like meeting new people. I like having great conversations. The unintended consequence is that I go to Starbucks and the gal behind the counter says, I have emailed a link to your podcast to like 15 different people because it spoke to something that they were going through. And you don't know who this is going to reach. Right. You know, and the unintended consequence could be something you've said, some mother, some father, some child out there is going to be like, I can breathe. Mike, I saw where you posted that your podcast was being listened to in Australia. Right? How crazy is that? Who would have thought? <laughs> That's awesome. You talked to somebody in Australia. Right. That's crazy. I know. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning. Um, well, not this morning, this afternoon. That's why I was delayed because he was at the graveyard. And uh, his. we were talking about podcasts and we were talking about uh, his church and their ministry and they are videoing their services. I said, you put them on YouTube? He says, no, we're just videoing them and burn off a DVD and we take them to different people who can't come to church. I said, okay, that's cool. Why aren't you putting them on YouTube? And he just looks at me and said, you got a whole new audience. I said, and even that, you've recorded it. Why isn't it up on a podcast? You've got a whole new, uh, you've done the work. You got two more steps. Yeah. And you're reaching a whole new set of people. And that's why I'm excited about you doing this podcast. So what's your dream for your podcast? Um, I don't know. I just want to start and see where it goes. Yeah? But also, if you had asked me a couple of years ago, I wouldn't have dreamed that I would be going to Capitol Hill and meeting Congress members either. So That was something I was going to ask you earlier. Do you have a new view of some of the Congress people you've met? Yes. Uh, so I want to take that smile and laugh as better for some and worse for others. Yes, actually, better for some and worse than others. Um, Marsha Blackburn uh-huh. is huge in the rare disease community. She's here in Tennessee. She is. Yeah, she's in Nashville. Yeah. Um, she is huge for people with rare diseases. Um, and then there are some others who we won't name. Yeah, who we won't <laughs> name. Who act like they're huge but aren't. Right, they're just playing the game. I'm supposed yeah. to be here today because it was on my schedule. Yes. Right. So. And and is that disappointing? Frustrating, disappointing. Is that what that is? That's um, frustrating and disappointing because you have this. You have the power to make the change. You have the power to help people who you being that in. congressman. Yes, and you're not doing anything about it. And you feel like you wasted your time. Yes. Wasting theirs. Yes. That's actually something that I decided. So I'm the kind of person I decide that I want to do something and normally I do it. Um, I decided last year at Disease Day, I guess 2019 in February, that I wanted to get into politics uh-huh. because I want to. <laughs> Are you announcing right here? Um, no, because I haven't talked to my husband about it. Oh. <laughs> um but I think that that would be something in the long term. Will you announce right here? I think that'd be cool to, uh, um, in the long term to be get into local politics and to work myself up to become the senator. Um, get into that so that when someone like me comes to them and says, newborn screening saved my life, I need you to reauthorize this act. 
I can listen to their story and be like, you know what? Let's do it. Right. So, um, I would much rather hear my congressmen and senators, uh, on news talking about this than a lot of the nonsense we're talking about. I would too. I would much rather see them on Facebook talking about this kind of thing than things that actually impact mine and your life. Yes. Um, and, and not that some of the things that they're talking about don't have some impact on my life, but there are everyday people here in Sweetwater, Tennessee. And, and you don't even know how many people here are going through this and they have no idea about you or, or the groups or the resources that are out there. Um, but if someone like you were on the TV on a regular basis doing that, and that got me thinking of my drive up here. So I'm going to delve into your personal life. You had told me that you had an interview for a local company here. And I'm like, I, I get that. I, I get the desire and the want to, to go and be out of the home from time to time and, and, and to earn a career. I get that. What if this was your life work? That would be ideal. Right. Um, that and, would be and how would you do that? that? That's the thing. That is the thing because a lot of um, the nonprofits and stuff that do what I would like to do are based out of bigger cities. Right. They are. So I, but you have the World Wide Web. That's true. So you how have would a potential I get into podcast. this? Well, <laughs> I, I had a similar conversation with a young lady uh, uh, a while back, and um, she didn't have a she had an issue that she wanted to be an advocate for, and there wasn't a platform, so she created a, a platform, and she started talking about it, and then that platform took off, and she was in the Knoxville News and got interviewed. And do you know who I'm talking about? Mm-mm. You. Oh. <laughs> Well, no, I don't. I don't know how to make this into a career. I guess is what you I mean. didn't know how to make this into this, right? That's true. You just started doing it, and that's the thing. I think if you did the podcast, you start doing some interviews with people. Uh, you use your website where you're posting it on there. You're, you're, um, you know, getting people to support this. I, I think you got something here. Okay, well, just help me get started, I am. and I'll do it. I actually, um, I'm pretty excited for when, when will this be on? Depends on how productive I am today. Okay, I have a lot of people who are waiting to listen to this. Okay. <laughs> so, um, that's okay. something that I'm going to work on um, tonight, is I'm going to create an album in the support group for people to share their Barb um, wow. Displays Your Stories. Um I was working on that before we decided to meet. Um, so I do have a lot of people waiting on this, and they're really excited. So that comes into something. So you were working on this, had no idea about us doing this, right? Uh, you and I discussed doing this. I have no idea that I have a family member that's going through this. Is that woo-woo stuff to you? <laughs> that's... Um, I have a friend who, when I texted her and said, hey, I'm going to do this podcast on Nerd she was like, did anyone else feel the universe shake? Right. When, so, yeah, it is goosebump territory there. So, if you listen to my podcast at all, uh, every now and then, well, there's going to be some stuff that have nothing to do with spirituality, but I talk about how all things are spiritual. All things are spiritual. Um, and not that 
the divine causes things, but you have we're all part of this divine consciousness. We're all part of this divine spirituality. And if we if we'll take time to listen, we'll see how we're speaking. Well, not us, but the divine is speaking within us and to us. And so, the fact that you like, okay, I'm going to do this. And all of a sudden, this podcast comes up, and then I run into somebody who's in my family that's suffering from a rare disease. I'm like, wow. And the funny thing was, is my uh, my cousin when uh, my mom was talking to him about it, my cousin said I told her, her being her daughter that she needs to talk to Scott and they need to do a podcast. Well, I'd already talked to you about doing the podcast. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to do it with her. I'm going to do it with I already talked to Sky. We're going to go ahead and do this. And then if her name's Lori, if Lori and I decide to come together and do one, we will. Or if me and you and Lori decide to come together. Right. That would be an interesting one. That would be. I think that would be really cool. A, sort of like a panel going on. Well, yeah, a, a panel going on from somebody who's like, I don't know... I know this is what my child's suffering from, but I don't know about these groups and these resources with someone who's like, okay, yeah, there's these groups and these resources. <laughs> yeah, it would be. I think that would be really cool. We'll, we'll work on making that happen and, and get that up there. So you mentioned you had websites and things like that uh, and dates and stuff. Um, there is, let me pull it up. It's all in this. Um, globalgenes.org. Yeah. Um, they are who really organize a lot of the events. And there's this thing called Rare Across America. Rare Across America. Rare. See, I've never heard of this. <laughs> that is for in-district lobby days. They will schedule meetings with the congress members for you. You don't have to travel. You go to your local office. Uh-huh. And you have a meeting and you talk about whatever kind of what kind of bill you want passed. Um, and the most, the next Rare Across America date is between July 29th and September 8th. So you can register now on the RDLA.com. RDLA? It? Yeah, RDLA, Rare Disease Legislative Advocates. Okay. Um, and that's also who, where you would register for... Um, so if my family week. member wanted to be a part of this, she can go to rdla.com, yes. register. It will tell her what congressmen are going to be available and what days in her area. Um, all she has to do is register, and they will email her meetings. Oh, wow. Yeah, they'll organize everything. They'll set it up. All you have to do is show up. You just show up? hmm Wow. It's super easy to do, and they even give you... It says, no prior advocacy experience is necessary. So they just come in and say, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. This is, if you don't have anything to talk about, you just want to get involved, they'll give you tools and one-pagers to take with you. They'll give you information to study to talk about. Um, so if she's not, because I, I, I can see someone sitting there like right now, I want to be involved. I don't want to talk. You're saying that they'll give you things you could do. Mm-hmm. To be involved, you don't have to be that face that's out there. You can right. still be involved and, and help make things happen. Right. That's beautiful. There's, um, They even have pre-created links so you can email your congressman. There's a phone numbers that you can use to call, and they've got information printed out. So all you have to do is read off of it and leave a voicemail. Oh, wow. Or if, if, if I've got these links, I could use my social media 
to make my group aware. Yep. That's all you have to do. It seems so easy. But um, it's one of those things that people, I, I guess, I wasn't aware of it. So that's pretty cool. So the web, you get those websites, your website? Mm-hmm. What's yours? FibrousDysplasiaWarriors.com. All spelled out? Yep. Or just FD? All spelled out. All spelled out. And we'll put that in here too. Um, if they wanted to follow you, do you have like a, you've got your Facebook group. It's mm-hmm. FD. FD Warriors. Is that got a support group in it? Because you said you were part of an admin. Did yours have um, a group as well? Or you just direct there, people to your. There is a support group, Fibrous Dysplasia. Um, it's a closed group. So right. for patients and families and you would join that. And then it's, I'm the, ad, I'm one of the admins for that. There are four admins, I think for that one. Um, but FD Warriors is your page. It's mine. They want to find out page. more about it. <laughs> so, and I think the thing that I like about this is that there's probably a group out there going through what I went through. And I know being in a rural area or even being in a really urban area, it's not always easy, especially if you're a mother, to get to those groups. And um, especially if you have stigmas associated with whatever it is that you're going through where a Facebook group or a private group or a website or something like that offers something a little bit different. What, what is the difference that it offers? It's real people, real people. I think it's real people going through something, even if it's in another state or another country, it's a real person um, Mm -hmm. experiencing real things and they can really, Assure you, I guess, reassure you. Reassure you, yeah, and comfort mm-hmm. you. Uh, and that's in a way different than what a, than really what a doctor could do, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I love doctors, obviously. I mean, if I have a broken bone, I don't want the guy at the Walmart fixing it. I want my doctor fixing it. But I don't get that time right. where he listens to me, um, where if I have somebody who's gone through it, they may be able to point me to a book, a video, another website, or somebody else. Like I'm about to point you to Lori, who can take me to a different level and help me understand that, okay, yeah, this is it. It's okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's a powerful phrase, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, it's okay. And this is how I got through it. Right. You, you may not. Yeah. But... but- it, this helps me. It could help you too. Right. And if it doesn't, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go through this. Let's walk through this together. Uh, when I deal with people who's uh, had loss, it's the same thing. You know, they, they're angry. I guess let me ask you that. Were you ever angry that you've got this? It, that comes and goes. Yeah. Um, again, I wasn't as a, as a child um, you didn't know to be right that's true i didn't know to be um as i got older um in the past couple of years i've gotten really angry that i have it um in some ways i'm lucky that i have it because i have got this community that i rely on and i've got made some of the best friends through it met some of the greatest people through it right but on the other hand you've got this yeah on the other hand i've got this and i have to when I 
get to the point where I can call my doctor, where I'm emotionally ready to call my doctor, I'm going to have to find people to watch my kids. I don't and think that's going to be a problem. That, yeah, it's probably not going to be a problem because <laughs> everybody's going to be like, okay, finally, she is letting me keep this child. Right. I mean. But, and then I get scared. Scared? Yes. Of? What if I don't wake up? Yeah. That terrifies me. Um, I don't know that you've seen pictures of me after surgery. But uh, let's is... just let's let's put this on a list of pictures I don't want to see of you. <laughs> <laughs> see, so my face is really really. Can we big. have that list? If you want, just to. so that in the future you don't say, "Oh, by the way." <laughs> there are pictures. There are videos. I'll, I'll, but I'll take if... your word for it. I don't want to look at it. You don't want. I won't take you. <laughs> I'm on, I'm supposed to be doing a podcast with the haunted house people. Mm. I won't take you to that <laughs> deal. That's that's deal. <laughs> I don't want to see that. I guess I'm afraid. What if I don't wake up, or what if they don't recognize me um, after surgery? They, my children. Ooh, I didn't think about that. So, because I shaved my mustache once, <laughs> not this one. <laughs> I never had one this epic. Um, <laughs> I shaved my mustache, and my daughter had only ever known me with a mustache. And I shaved it. And I can imagine her going, um, you're not my dad. She lost it. I mean, she was like five years old. Oh. She lost it. Now, me, looking back, I find that funny. And I did then. but It was, it was disconcerting, but we got mm -hmm. through it. I've never thought about it. In what you just said, what if my children don't recognize me? I mean, is it... God, I'm, I'm going to ask you about things I don't want to see. Uh, is there a lot of swelling? Is there a lot of scar tissue? Is there... Um, there's a lot of swelling. Mm. Um, bruising. I don't want to say it. If it's going to gross you out. No, it's not going to gross me um, out. I'm my, being more facetious than anything. My eye is... Um, sewn shut on this side oh wow um i think it's not super sewn shut because for the most part it's swollen shut but there are a couple of stitches there um and then this there's a drainage tube yeah coming out of my head to try and help yeah because um, it, it does need to drain that's part of the healing it's got to mm -hmm. build a drain um so what if they don't recognize me because when I was 12 and I came out of the surgery, my eyes were swollen shut. I couldn't see. I remember this specifically because I was angry <laughs> about this. Um, oh, they didn't tell you when we were able to see? No. Well, no, they didn't tell me that. But my family, my mom, my grandma, my dad, were they were all like, oh, my gosh, you look so great. Oh, my word, you look amazing. Let's take a picture. Let me take pictures. I was like, probably good. Sure. Right. Yeah, let me just pose for you. And Something then, queen. <laughs> Duck lips. <laughs> I go back and I, when I could see, I was so mad because I was like, that is, what? I look awful. <laughs> Why would you do that to me? Well, but you get, on one hand, I get it as a parent because I want to encourage you. I want to. But on the other hand, I get you a few weeks later looking at those pictures going, what? <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> Why would you think that I look good here? I'm pretty sure that all of those pictures disappeared. Good. I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. 
There are pictures of me from recent surgeries, but those those disappeared because I was expecting it, I guess, with the second two. But I was furious that they said I looked great and took all these pictures and yeah. did not look good. Wow. And so <laughs> you're, the, the fear that you don't wake up, because, I mean, you obviously you got two small kids, right? And uh, you don't have any more? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking you got two boys. And you're like, nah, I ain't taking this chance again. Nope, I would just have three boys. That's what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in a house full of men <laughs> and boys. And they're not always men at the same time. <laughs> Usually always boys at the same time. <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't think some women who weren't raised with, even like my wife, she was raised with her brother. And we had a son and she's like, I have no idea. I had no idea. <laughs> I didn't know boys did this. And you were raised with a brother. He was younger than me. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> yeah. That's like me. My oldest son, Oliver, asked questions. And I'm like, oh, go, go, go to your dad. <laughs> I don't know what you just asked me. Just go to your dad. Leave me alone. <laughs> go to dad. I don't want to. Right. And, well, that was me. My daughter, um, she had an American Life magazine. She's probably going to, I don't even know if she listens to this podcast. So it's not too worried about it. <laughs> We're driving down the road one day, and she's preteen. Mm-hmm. So it's an American Girl magazine. Did you ever get those? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's reading. We're going down the road one day, and my son, he's four years younger than her, and so he's not in his teenage years yet, and he's just doing whatever he's doing. She goes, Dad, what's a period? <laughs> and I look at my wife like, I'm not answering a question. <laughs> and she looks at me like, yeah, Dad, what's a period? <laughs> and my son, thank God. He goes, uh, it's a dot at the end of the sentence, Kaylee. Duh. And so right? <laughs> saved. <laughs> saved. Um, yeah. And so there's conversations that she might come up and ask me. I'm like, nope. Go talk to mom. Mm-hmm. That's what the divine's for. It's what the feminine's for. Uh, that's not me. Um, so I get, I get your point there with Oliver. So you get the fear of not waking up. You get the fear of them not recognizing you. What else? Other fears. Obviously, the pain of the recovery. Yes, the pain of the recovery is um, ridiculous. I have to figure out how to walk. Oh. Um, again, not that I don't know how to walk, but it I have I have to have help right. getting up and going to the bathroom. For example, they actually have to put one of those portable toilet things next to the bed because I can't get up on my own. So, so this isn't, uh, I'm I going to surgery and I'm out this afternoon. I go, oh, no, I usually spend a, I, a couple of days a week in ICU and then a couple of weeks in a regular room. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I wouldn't be making that phone call either. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> the thought of it's like, oh, no, thank you. But the staff and doctors are. The, my doctor is incredible. Um, he was the one who diagnosed me at 12. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he doesn't retire anytime soon. Just going right. to like knock on wood for that or one. Or at least pass you on to a good Padawan or protege. Yes. Um, the nursing, there are some who are totally fantastic. There are some who I'm, I feel like I scare them. Mm. Um, because unfortunately with a rare disease, usually you are the one that's most educated. Um, right. When you come to the medical field unless you have a doctor who specializes in that disease you are the most educated one and you have to tell them wow i didn't think about that like so when you 
when you do get a new doctor here locally, obviously that's not your doctor, doctor, your local primary right. physician, primary physician, not physician, physician. Um, I'm new with the English language. Uh, so, <laughs> so when you get a new primary physician, do, do you have to go through this all over again? I do. I, my mom and I were talking about me making a dentist appointment. Um, and I'm going to have to find a dentist who can understand that I can't open my mouth super wide. Um, cause the cadaver bone, I guess. I'm not sure why I can't, but I know that I can't. Right. Um, so I have to explain all that to the doctor and then I have to see if the, or the dentist, I'm sorry. I have to see if the dentist will, is even willing to cut out my wisdom teeth because the FD is the entire side of my right face and what if it goes into my jawline right so i have to talk to a dentist about if they're even willing to touch me is that something maybe that your doctor nashville could refer you to a dentist um he would refer me to one out in in nashville Nashville, obviously but but he could make that referral if you needed it he could yeah yeah he would be interesting to have on your podcast (laughs) he um actually i'm sure he would do it he's been when I had the nonprofit, he was on the board of directors for that. Um, he was the doctor that I had Good. on call. So he's, a, he's incredibly supportive with everything, too. Um, and I refer him to a lot of people that I meet who need an FD doctor. Um, but, yeah, I do have to explain it to local doctors and local dentists and yeah, I, I I mean, there's so many variables here. It's one thing to say, okay, somebody has this, but all the different areas of their life that it impacts. I have to explain it to the people who cut my hair. Why? Because I have a scar, that scar line. I don't grow hair there. Oh. So I've had, and actually, I have a scar right here. I know you probably don't get your eyebrows waxed, but I had Don't a, judge me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know me. Okay, I'm sorry. You may. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a whatever they're called who waxes eyebrows. I'm uh, not sure the the professional name for them. Not that I get my eyebrows waxed. I believe they're called estheticians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she um, didn't know that I had a scar from my biopsy where uh-huh. they confirmed it was fibrous dysplasia. And I don't grow hair on that scar either. And she took off half my eyebrow. Oh. So I have to explain it to the hair people who cut my hair. I have to explain it to them so they don't take off half the eyebrow. There is a video of me getting my nose hairs and ear hairs waxed. Ugh. Did that hurt? The ears hurt worse than the nose. Really? Really? And it surprised me. Yeah, I would expect you to like sneeze a lot. You know, yeah, because if you ever pulled a nose hair, you, know, you yeah. get that one, you jerk it, and you feel like your whole, you just pulled your whole <laughs> head out of your face. Yeah. I'm worried that this is going to happen. So I'm at a barber. I, I, I'm at my barber shop. My barber is a female. And, um, and you hire your barber for a reason as a man, right? They, they're there to make sure you look your best. And, you stick with your barber for a reason. Well, I happen to have a female barber, so now I have a barber with a female's perspective that's even <laughs> more annoying at times. And so, <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, we gotta fix this." She said, "I actually wax nose hairs now. Let me do. Let me do." I'm like, what? And then it gets to this point to where if I don't do it, I'm obviously a sissy, right? I don't think that's how that works. Well, that's the way she was phrasing it. That's the way she put it up. <laughs> Right, so here I am, United States Marine, 
background. I can't be a sissy. <laughs> so the next thing you know, I'm like, well, we're setting up my tripod. So I set up my tripod with my video camera because I'm like, I got to get this on video. And she gets these two swabs with wax and shoves them up in my nose. And so I'm sitting there, I'm talking like this, right? And then she comes up and she puts her hand on your forehead. She, oh. she grabs that stick. You talk about anticipation and nerves. And then just jerk that thing right out. Your face just twitches. She said that uh, when she started doing that, she cuts a lot of uh, first responders hair in the area. They would show up in uniform and video each other. <laughs> getting this done and just laughed the whole time she said one guy she said i reached up to grab that stick i hadn't even touched him i'm I'm reaching to put my hand on his forehead so i can brace his head and she's I'm, I'm i'm almost to touch his forehead and a tear <laughs> starts coming down his face <laughs> she's like i hadn't even touched him but no when she pulled the ear it's like the wax had formed a seal so it was a big pop oh no right so no, I'm not having my eyebrows waxed yet. I'm sure that'll happen, right? Well, record that one too. Record that one too, but uh, I have have had that done. So, but I also was married to a woman who very much enjoyed getting the wax and the manicures and the pedicures and mm-hmm. all that. So that's one reason. I think that's every woman, to be honest with you. Probably, probably. So uh, I can see those fears. I never thought about the fears that you have to face. So I guess let's let's play this. Let's reverse the role. You're talking to a woman in your situation who needs to make that phone call. What do you say? Because remember when I thought I was having a heart attack? <laughs> yeah. And you agreed. No, go get that checked. Which is different than get my face ripped off and sewn back on. But it's still, that's where that big butt comes in. Right. You're, something's happening. Your body's telling you something's not okay. So I guess you do need to go to the doctor. But you don't want to go over every little thing. Right. So um, what would you tell you about when you need to make that phone call? While everyone really knows their own limits, you can't pour tea from an empty cup. Okay. So I know my limit. I know when I've reached the point where it's like, crap, now I really have to call the doctor. Like, I know that limit. But at the same time, while I am afraid that I won't wake up and I'm afraid that my children won't recognize me, I have small children. So I have to think in the long run, do what? I want this disease to affect my life with them? Because eventually that I, I could lose my eyesight um, it's growing, I guess, across my brain. I maybe that is gonna take things negatively. I don't want to say it. Um, so I have to. You would have to think. You know your limit. You can push yourself mm-hmm. better than anybody else can, further than anybody else would. But and you, you should in many regards. Um. You also have to think, I want to be there when they graduate from high school. I want to be able to watch that. Right. So. So what does future Sky want? That's that's what yes. you have to think about. Um, what sacrifices am you, I willing to forego today? For a better tomorrow. 
Yeah, for future Sky. Yes. So that's, I think that's what I would say to someone in my shoes. You can't pour tea from an empty cup. You have to take care of yourself in order to take care of them. Them being my children or a spouse or your pets because they're pet parents. Or uh, think about this. Or the community that you've built. Yes. <laughs> I mean, think about that. At some point, conceivably, your children will go up and go do life. But you've built this community. How are you going to be here to take care of them? And if you're an advocate, you almost need to be that. You are your own billboard. Yes. <laughs> right? That's what I tell people. Like, I... I'll, I'll have friends of mine come up and they're like, hey, I'm taking these new supplements. I'm like, well, come back when they work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I want you to bomb. I'm selling these new supplements. This is my side hustle. And I'm like, well, when you start taking them and they start working, come back and then we'll talk and I'll look at it. But you've built and in the process of building a very important footprint and very very important community you've helped a lot of people undoubtedly how many more can you help yeah yeah who's future sky and what does she when does future sky want you to make that call because at the end of the day it's your call and like you said you know when to push yourself and i would agree to that to a point Uh, i know that um i know when i need my help the most but oftentimes when I need my help the most, I can't see it. Does that make sense? I've, I've, I've already gone too far. That's um, true. By the time you realize you need help, it's too late. Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. And then, then you're like, okay, now if I'd have done... Th- then you're mad at yourself over this. Like, well, if I'd have done this six months ago... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have to deal with this. But no, you'll make the right time, timing, the right choice. I agree with you. I wouldn't have done it. Did they want you to do it while you were pregnant? No, they wanted, it was before I was pregnant that they decided I needed to have the surgery again. Um, but the hormones from the pregnancy mm-hmm. makes it go haywire, making it makes the FD go haywire. And I didn't want to have that series of a surgery and then get pregnant and have a baby. Oh, I see what you're saying. So if you'd have had the surgery. I would have just had to have had it again after I sooner. gave birth. Yeah. So I decided to wait until after I had another baby. Um, and and then he's I, just a few months old. He's Yeah, he's seven months old. So okay. you still have all these hormone things going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, you, you breastfeed. I do. So you've got those hormone things going on. You've still got. You know, other lady part hormone things yeah, going on. everything getting back under control. Right. Right. So, um, even if you made it right now, it may not be wise. Um, I had, after I had my older son, I had it the surgery when he was three months old. Um, that actually ended my breastfeeding with him, the anesthesia. I couldn't come back from him right. after that, um, even though... That's one of the things my husband was super supportive about. I had to pump and dump the breast milk every two hours. And I obviously could not do it, but he did it. Yeah. Um, he did it for me. So, um, Which, I, if you're a woman who wants that 
connection, that breastfeeding, that had to be heartbreaking too. That was. That was really, um, really hard on me with Oliver. With my younger son, Jasper, I made it seven months. And honestly, I don't think it would break my heart <laughs> at this point. <laughs> at this point, I'm thinking I'm, I want yeah. to be done. Yeah, at this point, I don't think it would break my heart if I, did, if I couldn't keep going. Um, but with Oliver, it did. I um, think the point... At this point, you, you're you okay with making that decision. It wasn't made for you. Right. And with Oliver, it was made for me. I was super blessed, though. My mother-in-law is a doula in mm-hmm. um, Knoxville. She found someone who donated milk for Oliver. So he was able to um, drink breast milk right. up until I think he was almost six months old from all the donor milk we had. Um, so he still got the benefits of it. It just wasn't coming from me. I had forgot that that community existed because uh, it's been... 20-something years since we last had a baby. But, yeah, I forgot that there are women out there who do donate Mm -hmm. breast milk. So, for you guys, you can look for that, too. That's out there. I didn't think about that, having that decision made for you, how heartbreaking that would have been. So, right now, hormonally, let's just say you are going to make the phone call. Hormonally is not, we don't want to do this today. Is there like a time frame where your doctor would come back and say, okay, hormonally, you're probably ready now? Um, He honestly would have done it. Oh. When uh, sooner. So he, he has a, a greater sense of urgency than you do. Yeah, normally when. So here's how it goes after I do make the call. I usually get about two months before I have to have the surgery. And that's usually long enough to get the insurance to approve it. Okay. And get it on his Because he'd have done schedule. it tomorrow. Yeah, he would have. If it, the schedule was open and the insurance says, yep, go do it. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a long two months. Um, it is because they don't, um, it's normally a waiting period. Like, they don't give you the two months. You know, I, he has this way that he walks in that you know you're having surgery or you know that everything's okay. So he... <laughs> <laughs> you can tell I've been through it a few times. He's got this grim reaper walk and he's got this, hey, it's all right. Yeah, he walks in off like slowly, casually when everything's fine. And then when everything's not fine, he walks in fast. He pulls, sits down on the chair. He pulls it up, the 3D CT on the computer. He explains what's happening. Um, so you can tell by his walk if you're having surgery or not. And so he'll say, you need to stay the night because you need to talk to my scheduler tomorrow. And Ugh. that's usually what my mom and I do. Um, uh, just go ahead and plan to stay the night. Yeah, we just plan to stay the night on the off chance that it happens. And then um, she, my mom has set up blood drives for me. Um, has she? She, Yeah, three. Nice. Actually, yeah, um, because you can donate blood to a specific person. And I won't, maybe I won't get your blood specifically, but it'll go as a credit so that'll offset some of the costs if I need a blood transfusion during right. surgery, um, during after surgery. Right. Um, so she gets together, I guess, with a blue cross, not blue cross. Um, what's it called? Uh, red, not red, red cross. Is it red cross? I yeah. think so. Yeah. She gets in touch with red cross, organizes. Yeah. The, blue cross is insurance. Yeah. Um, organizes the blood drive and then, um, I, they usually give me like two or three weeks. It takes about a month for the insurance to approve it. Once the insurance approves it, it takes about a week, I guess, for them to make the schedule. And then they'll give me a call and say, hey, your 
surgery date is this. And it's usually like three weeks yeah. after insurance approves it. So this, <clears throat> this goes to something that I've been talking about is you never, you never know somebody's story. Right. Right. I mean, it's easy for me to get irritated at the person at the big box store because they're standing in my way on their phone. They could be making a schedule for a surgery. You never know the story. And I'd have never known this story. You know, <laughs> I just thought you were the mom of the kid I was flying a kite with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd have never known this story. Yeah, your face was something when I told you. Because <laughs> it, it fascinated were, me. Yeah, you looked blown away. <laughs> I was, because, you know, you're telling me you've got this. You know, you, this facial reconstructive surgery, and I've, I've known people who have facial reconstructive surgery, and they, I mean, you're absolutely a beautiful woman, and I'm just like, what'd you have reconstructed? And then, I'm like, is it like cosmetic, or is that why? And you're like, no, my bones, I had bones ripped out and bones put in. And, I'm like, <laughs> and I, I think I said like X Men or something like that. Yeah, no, um, you had, I think you said superhero or something, uh, but so, it was X Men. Yeah. yeah, and you said like X Men. I'm like, Oh, they do that? And then we start down this conversation. So you said that potentially it's, it's, it's on the right side of your face. Mm-hmm. Can it go through your skull? Can it go down your neck? Can it? Yeah, it can um, develop anywhere in the body. And just because I have it in the right side of the face and skull today doesn't mean it won't be on the left side tomorrow. Or in the foot. Or in the foot. Or in the um, legs. Knee or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you break a bone... I'm fortunate to have never broken a bone. Um, So far. So far. (laughs) Because if you break a bone, it will not heal bone. It will... I don't want to say heal because it's not really healing, but it'll come back as fibrous dysplasia and not healed bone. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm really lucky that I've not experienced that yet. (laughs) I'm knocking on wood a lot there. Um, Well... Just in the hour and 30 minutes we've been talking about this specifically. If you do, you seem like you've got a pretty good enough outlook on life and strong enough that you'll be like, okay, this sucks. <laughs> but let's do this now. It's one of those hold, hold my beer and watch this <laughs> kind of things. Where does that come from? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just, it's all in your mindset. You have to wake up one day and decide that you're done living life. Being silent. Mm-hmm. Being, yeah. And it's not that I, I try to talk to people like this cause I've gone through stuff. It's not that I'm not a victim. I may truly be a victim, but I got to get up. I got to deal with this. Because, like we said earlier, nobody's coming. Right. You have to be your own superhero. You have to be your own superhero. You have to do that. And um, and in doing so, you inspire others. Which is that unintended consequence. You know, you inspire others. You help others, which is what you're doing. I don't think you meant to be here when you started your Facebook group. I didn't. And there's... There's this thing that the Every Life Foundation does. It's a rare artist contest. Um, oh. And there was a piece a couple of years ago. Um, 
that really stands out in my mind. And I think about it pretty regularly, at least a couple of times a week, where it's you have one of those days and the title of the piece was, I don't want to be an inspiration today. And it was a painting of a girl laying on the floor in the dark. And that, that was it. I don't want to be an inspiration today. Right. Um, and that is something that I have to think about because there are times where I'm just like, I just want to go to bed. I don't really want to, I'm like, I love to socialize and I love to talk to people, but at the same time. I need to go to bed. I need to go to bed. Right. And that's okay. <laughs> I had this discussion, well, last night about warriors like combat warriors. And the guy said something about, well, they're heroes to me. I said, be careful what you call them. And I, I get why they're heroes to you. Uh, I understand that. You need to understand that what they don't view themselves as a hero. And they might be dealing with some really dark demons because of the stuff they've been through. And when you put them up on this hero status, you've now taken away their ability because they have to be hero. Right. They have to be inspiration. They have to be this strong warrior, inspirational type person. And now they can't sit down and talk about, I'm struggling. Right. You take away their ability to, not that they don't feel things, but they feel like they can't. They can't talk about it. Right. They can't talk about it. Um, My friend that I did a podcast with recently, it was the last episode. She's gone through a lot of miscarriages, and she's a an admin on the group that I was telling you about for Loved Baby Project, and I'll put another link to that, and I'll link to both those podcasts in here as well, if I remember. Um, <clears throat> when she had been through all these miscarriages, she had had her child, and she had gone through, I hate the word healing, but she had gone through her grief, not gone through her grief. She learned to live with her grief. You don't right. go through it. You don't get over it. You learn to live with it. You learn to live within it. You learn to carry it with you. She had done that. And then she found out she's pregnant again. They weren't trying. Just, you know, I'm pregnant. Well, then comes all this excitement. You know, I've had a child. I've got another child on the way. This is exciting. And, she, and all the same time, she's been an admin helping other mothers go through this pregnancy loss, and she loses her child. Right. And, you know, I, and I think we did talk about this. I can't remember the detail because she's a very close friend of mine. But I'm sitting here thinking how hard it is to, on one hand, I'm supposed to be sitting here helping guide these people who have, these other women who've experienced this, and now I'm all over again back there. And she described it as she felt like she was one. She was the butt of a very cruel joke from God. And I just asked her, so how did you go back on there as an admin and lead these discussions, engage in these discussions when you're having that feeling? She said, I was honest. I was honest. Yeah. That really would probably make all the difference in the world. Right. So I can see you doing that. I mean, you know, when you're doing that admin and you're scheduling this next surgery, just be honest. Just let them know. These are my fears. And it's not, 
there's something about naming your fear that takes the uh, that takes the size of it away. You know, once you're once you're able to name it, I know what this is, and now I can deal with you. Not that you're gone away, just I named you. Right. I know your essence. Everything you want is on the other side of the fear. Yeah, but you got to name it. Uh, it's the unknown fear that's the worst. I don't know. I think I'd much rather go into the surgery not knowing what I was going to have to Oh, like when you were 12? From. Yes. <laughs> right. I think I recovered much faster from that than I did the last two. Um, and I think a lot of it was fear of, I know what I'm about to get into and I am terrified of it. Oh my God. So I think that I would much rather be in the dark about it. Yeah, I can see that. But you, you also have that unknown fear that you just mentioned here. You don't know what your kids are going to do. You don't know that. So how long does it take, once you're out of the hospital, how long does it take for the, the swelling to, for you to be recognizable as you now? Um, I think to get back completely to normal, I think it takes about a year. But I'm recognizable after two months, I want to say. So swelling's gone down, yeah. so the bruising's so, gone. Yeah, the bruising's gone by two months. I'm still like I'm still swollen, and you can still see the difference. But you can, you know, who I am right. And you're wearing headbands and scarves or something. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I did when I was twelve. I I haven't in the recent ones. Um, I think I think we always buy them on the off chance I may want to wear them, but I never do. Right. So. Well, you've got a great support group. You've got an amazing story. I um, look forward to seeing where you're going to go, knowing future okay. Sky. Um, I do. Maybe maybe I'll have my video podcast up and running once you have the surgery, and we can do it from there. You want to do that? Do the video podcast yeah. from the hospital room with your eyes swollen shut? If you go on YouTube, there's videos of me in the hospital room. It's my last one. Mm. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> if you want, um, instead of me searching all this stuff, if you want to build a link, uh, just write out a little thing. You, you can write. So uh, if you want to write out a thing with some links and some thoughts and send it to me, I'll put that in the podcast notes as well. That okay. way it, it'll go to all the links you want. It'll show all the videos you want. I'm not going to promise to follow and, re- and watch all the videos. <laughs> okay. Um, but I'll, yeah, you can do that. And then we'll post this thing up there. It's It'll take me, this is about an hour 30, hour 45, uh, It'll take me a while. I'll go back. I'll do some back end. I'll do some um, compressing and things like that. Cause in, so this, this will go me and this is how you do a podcast. So I'm recording it. I'll go back. I'll run it through some uh, effects. And basically what it'll do is if there's any spikes. So like when maybe like we laughed real loud. If they're listening to it and I don't, I don't manage that. If, we're, if they're listening to it in their car and all of a sudden that spike, it blows their speakers. Blah, it's real okay. loud. So there's this audio software that's free that I'm using, by the way, and it's called Audacity for those of you that want to know. They're not a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> again, it's free. But if they, uh, this audio software lets you control that so you have a consistent volume 
in okay. there. Helps you normalize it. Helps you equalize some things out. That way you, you can balance it out. And it's really simple. And once you are ready, we'll sit down. I'll show you how to do it. Not that I know how to do it. Uh, <laughs> you may actually know somebody that's actually better than me. <laughs> um, but th that's what I do. And that'll take me about an hour, two hours to do. Wow. And then, well, it, it's just because I have a very slow system. When I bought this laptop, I wasn't doing podcasts. I, but I it works, doesn't it? It works. It's just the processors are slow. I need to get a more advanced processor to do it faster. Um, when I bought this, I was just writing blog posts. Oh, okay. That's all I was doing. I just needed something to do some board processing, and I'm done. So I just bought the cheapest laptop I could buy, and that's what I did. Then I started doing these podcasts. I had to get this external hard drive to record stuff onto because this one won't hold it. But that's my first world problems. Uh, <laughs> and so, anyways, we do that. And so that, by the time I do that and get uploaded, depending on my Wi-Fi connection where I'm at, I could have this up tonight. Uh, if not, maybe tomorrow afternoon. Well, there's no rush on it. You can take your time You've with got it. a bunch of people wanting to listen to it. So who they are these people? Wait. Where are they from? Um all over the world there will be people from australia um germany people all over the world with fibrous dysplasia will listen to it outstanding outstanding so um well i'll tell you what i'll i'll work on this you work on getting that article together for me okay um get that to me i'll, I'll give you my personal email address and then uh you can just email it or okay. if you have a link if you want to put it on your website oh you can do that okay Put it on your website, and then I just copy and paste it. Okay, that sounds good. Whatever's easier. You've been amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> you did Thanks amazing. We this. got into some. Uh, we got into some very personal things. I mean, I could see there for a moment just a little bit of somewhat emotion. You know, like you're holding back. Good for you. You stayed strong. <laughs> I like to be composed. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot of power and composure, but there's a lot of power and emotions too. So I'm working on that in between. Finding that balance. Mm -hmm. So what are you doing to work on that? Just putting yourself in those situations. Just, yeah, putting myself in those situations and seeing what happens. Right, creating that space. Yep. For things to happen. That's beautiful. Well, I'm gonna let you get back to your kids. Okay. And uh, Sky Mau. Mayu, Mayu Steppy. Steppy, yes. Sky Mayu Steppy. You can you can look her up on Facebook. You can find you on Instagram. You're on Twitter. I am on Twitter, yeah. For Sky Mayu Steppy. Sky Mayu Steppy. And uh just Google Sky Mayu Steppy. It's S K Y E for those of you who don't have enough time to go look at the actual title of the podcast. S K Y E space M I U space S T E P P E. E. Yes. And you'll find her. She's out there. Thank you, my friend. Thank you.